Welcome to the Reggie McNeil Podcast, where we explore what it means to seek God's kingdom here on earth. Join us on our journey to become more aware of and encouraged by God's work in and around us. Well, Reggie, um, I've been thinking a lot about leadership in the church. As I'm leading my congregation, we're, we're at this time, we're doing drive-in church. Yeah. We're doing a lot more online uh, doing stuff through the mail, I feel kind of disconnected from my people, and I'm I'm tired, and I'm talking to a lot of pastors that are like me, on the verge of burnout because it's just so different. Uh, but I think when we have the kind of conversations what we're talking about, there's a tendency to have burnout. You know, there's a tendency to be pushing the envelope, to be meeting a lot of resistance, and I've noticed a trend in some of your writings that you you keep coming back to this theme of of leadership and this understanding that to to make the shift we're talking about from church centered to the kingdom centered um, takes a certain amount of leadership and a lot of us weren't trained to do it in seminary hmm. and a lot of us don't know how to replicate that in our people so that they become leaders and share that leadership mm-hmm. um so so let's let's dive in a little bit to what it takes to be the kind of leader to make those shifts we're talking about and how do you create leaders to help support in that it, it's not easy to it's, it's much easier to lead what it has always been yeah than make the changes we're talking about well uh i heard about four or five questions in that uh in your comments let me start with one that jumped out at me and that's the the whole notion of tired um and maybe maybe make some suggestions there you know most pastors are wired uh as responders mm-hmm. and we respond to people and 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 one of one of the things that keeps us going is as we're serving people to get the feedback and the encouragement that comes from that just just the feedback you know and and feeling connected so when so in a time like this where your connections are cut you're still doing the service yeah but you're not getting the feedback the feedback loops not there mm-hmm. and near the level you know that you're used to so i think that contributes to our compassion fatigue mm-hmm. And if I were going to suggest, um, and that's a real thing, by the way. I mean, there are people that study this uh, who, um, for instance, after disasters, when people rush in, and COVID was a disaster. We all went into disaster relief, uh, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. suddenly. We felt the pressure of all that, but then we also had to deliver services to people. We weren't passing out water, but we figuring out how do we pass out the sermon and, you know, in church yeah. and stuff. And, um, and the people who, who study this um, talk about the need for frequent breaks. And I think when you're not getting feedback, since so many pastors are wired to please people through their service, we, we don't know when to quit. We're still pumping it out, mm-hmm. you know, just because that's what we, we're still trying to, in some ways, sometimes even generate some kind of feedback. 
I'm I'm telling you, when every day is Groundhog Day, you got to take some breaks, yeah. and more frequent, and do stuff in the break. And I know when you're on lockdown and all that, but the country's coming back alive. There are opportunities. Uh, you know, do stuff with your family, do stuff with friends, do something different. You know that you know because that will rest your spirit, and do it more frequently. Hey, nobody's going by the office right now to check on you. You know, so, I mean, you're not mm -hmm. having to turn in a time slip on this stuff. D do something that nurtures your soul uh, for fun. I, and that, as practical as that sounds, I just find a lot of pastors won't, just yeah. won't do it. And, and it's you're to your own death. Don't look for one day off. You know, just figure two half days in. Take a Sabbath, I mean, for crying out loud. You know, so I know in my own life, uh, there's some similarities to burnout and compassion fatigue. They're different because you can recover quicker from compassion fatigue just with some time off and some of the stuff that I'm talking about. Now, burnout is is a little more um, entrenched deal. And you can get there uh, following the path of compassion fatigue if you don't take care of yourself. But but even in, in burnout, I found I had to change because I went through a period of it wasn't a it was not a great moral failure. I'm too afraid of Kathy for that. Uh, you know, she's promised certain uh, surgical procedures if I but but uh, and she always keeps her word. But uh, but the the truth is, mine was just a low slide, a long slide into gray, mm -hmm. and so I had to do some different things physically. I had to take charge of my physical body. Uh, I had to start take. Uh, I had to learn how to take Sabbath. No one had ever told me that. You st and right now it's hard for you to find Sabbath yeah. in a in a COVID world. But you better find it because you really need it. Uh, I'm saying you, but I'm going to say yeah. the pastors that you're in in touch with and whoever. And I think if you need help, get the help. Totally. Get get a counselor. Totally. Talk to your doctor. There really are some oh. biochemical things that come from sure these long slides. And that I, I've experienced a lot of pastors have experienced. Got to adjust. And for me, it was it was it was more like, uh, and and I'm fixing to say something. I've I had to quit doing some things, mm -hmm. and I actually had to quit doing some things I like doing. See, this myth that you can do it all or everything. I mean, I had to, uh, for instance, I was teaching out at the college, you know, one night a week. Well, that doesn't sound like, oh, but there's the preparation for that. There's mm -hmm. the night out at the college. There's the stuff, you know, the test grading, you know, stuff like that. And although I saw it as a great outreach, and people did come to the church from my teaching, you know, out there. I met people, and they, I mean, it was great, and I loved it. I loved to teach. But I found out I have to give up something I like doing. You know, you, you can't. You, th these are hard choices sometimes, just to create the margin in our lives for emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. So, get the help. Quit doing some stuff. Create margin. Take charge of your body. Um, and even though I joke a lot about my, you know, I, I still do that. You know, as, as bad off as I am, I'm not as bad as I was. And you just, you have to do that. Find the stuff that feeds you. 
and 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 rekindle friendships. Mm. You know that um, you know you've been doing this series with Chris. I mean that friendship means a lot. That gives you a lot of nurture. Mm-hmm. You know, I find too many pastors. They've not developed friends. Yeah. Heck, if I didn't have a friend, I, I was Google friend. Uh, you know, uh, and I would, <laughs> you know, stop what you're doing. You know, uh, find a friend. You know, pay somebody to be your friend if you need to. But I mean, it's you know, I mean, uh, you can't do this by yourself. Mm-hmm. And if, and it takes time to do it. And my friends got me through tough times. Mm-hmm. Without exception, friends. Some of them were actually in my church. Saw so that old thing, you can't have friends in church. I don't believe that. Some of them were, I mean, I was there 11 years and they, they, some my best friends are still there. But even while I was there, they were my friends. Mm-hmm. They believe, yeah, you can do that. But I had some pastor friends too who understood. You know, it's interesting too, though. My, the friends in the church were guys, that, you know, uh, the men, but they were men that had a lot of responsibility. They could get your your sense of responsibility. They appreciated that. Many mm-hmm. of them were, you know, one of them was a, a doc. One's a was head of a university, a college. One, it's a tough job. Uh, another was CFO of Fortune 500 company. I mean, these are people with a lot of responsibility. They understand leadership and the leadership challenges. They can be friends. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think pastors are intimidated from building relationships with folks like that, but they can understand your leadership challenges. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes we as pastors slide into the pastor role. Yeah. That's safe. I can control that, and yeah. that's how I'm used to. Really, that's why I think a lot of pastors, when they retire, like they, don't they don't know what to they do. They don't with know themselves. what to do. Yeah, their total personhood is bound up in that role. Yeah. And you know it's 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 much easier for God to turn somebody into a pastor than to turn somebody into a person. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I, I referenced this in one of our earlier episodes here. I mean, becoming a person is a hard, and He'll use the pastor responsibility to do it. But make no mistake, we get to heaven and we're in eternity. You know, this clergy lady distinction will hardly mean like. But you becoming a person is still the main deal. And so whatever your assignment in life, whatever God's call on your life is, it's to help you become the person he has in mind. So don't give up on you. Don't just be a pastor and say, oh, I'm just doing that. It's a a live deception. Uh, And don't let it kill you. If it's killing you, there's something wrong. Yeah, because that wasn't God's plan. He decided you to be a pastor to bring life to you, not to take it away. Yeah, and don't die for the church for crying out loud. Jesus took care of that. You know, <laughs> don't need to. <laughs> and and I think I've known pastors who are second career pastors. I think we need to have a lot more grace for people who are first career pastors. Mm. I think there's plenty of people out there that are a pastor. They did something else, and now they're pastors. Well, why can't the work reverse? I think. Some pastors, you get called to that for a little while, and maybe you get called to something else, and that's okay. You know what I think's going on there, and I don't talk about this a lot, but since you brought it up, you know, the life expectancy went up by 
what, a couple decades in the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. People are living a whole heck of a lot longer than they were a hundred years ago. And um, so, you know, my friend Bob Buford, who wrote Halftime. Halftime. And, you know, what do you do with the second half of your life and all that? Yeah, I, I meet people that are coming out of business, going into ministry and leaving ministry, going into business. You know, they're passing each other on the road. I think part of it is we're bored. I mean, you know, 40 years at one thing, you mm -hmm. know, is, is not all of us can stay focused that long on one yeah. thing. And, and you're right. It's not a, abandoning the call. The call is to become you. Yep. We, we've turned it into the call is to be this or that. Those are, those are functions. But the ultimate mm. call on you is no different than the call on me, on the call of our wives, yeah. our children, is, is, is to become you know, the, the person God yeah. sees that we can be and had in mind. He's not going to ask you when you get to heaven, Jordan, why weren't you more like Moses? You know, mm -hmm. He's going to say, Jordan, well, let's yeah. talk about how close to being Jordan you are. And, yeah, uh, you know? if if pastors can't do that for themselves, that's going to be really hard to lead. It's absolutely. If, I, if, if you don't believe that, if I'm that, my own, if I'm a function and I'm not a person, then we it, tend to do, we look at all our relationships as functionary. Yeah, see it all the time, see it all the time, and so then then what happens is you don't trust people because you're not building relationships on authenticity. You're building it on Transactions. transactions so all of our relationships become mm. transactional mm. and there's no joy in that there's no soul nurture in that then you're always thinking well, what do i need to do for cliff because he was nice to me last week you know they took us to dinner what kind of oh man that's a killer it is a killer yeah well and you that's that's how you burn out so quick absolutely because you can't do that long term no and you i yeah one of the things i try to tell my church I don't always live this real well, but it's I want to have a long-term view. Like one of the best things I can do for you is be the healthiest version of me that I can be. Right. That means I do need to rest. It does. It means I do need to read and study and invest in myself in some ways. Oh. But but so many pastors, so many not just I mean we're talking about pastors, but leaders too. So many of our church leaders aren't investing in themselves the same way that we they they could be should be. We should lead, be leading them to be. Yeah, one of the um, um, more challenging uh, men's group that I belong to had some of those men that I've told you about. But you know, the head of a government agency and all. We were all these were all high octane, top of the heap leaders. You know, they'd climb their ladder, and that was a particularly challenging year that I spent with. I always had a group of men that I was meeting with as pastor. And uh, just for discipling, mentoring, and developing mm. relationships, you know. And um, in that particular group, you know, I found out they were playing harder on their day off, you know, than they uh, they were the rest of the time. Uh, some of them because the adrenaline addiction mm. that was so gripped their lives, and this happens to pastors as well. Yeah. You know, it, you, when you come off of that, it doesn't feel great. I remember I took a, a sabbatical of a few weeks. One time, the first three weeks, I felt like crap, you know, because that all of that adrenaline-based, you know, and gosh, I can remember early on ministry. Many fri Fridays was my day off, and there were a lot of Fridays, you know, by about 
late in the morning. Kathy said, I think you'll need to go on up to the office. <laughs> I think you'll be happier and I will be too. You know, I mean, because I didn't know how to handle coming off of the adrenaline yeah. and I was just miserable, you know. And um, Arch Hart, a friend of mine who's at Fuller, a dean of psychology, uh, wrote a great little book that really helped save me. I mean, uh, it was on adrenaline. He coined the term adrenaline addiction. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, uh, then he wrote Dealing with Depression in the Ministry and Other Healing uh, Professions. And uh, Arch just fingered the fact that as leaders, we're dealing with, uh, he, he said that surviving ministry is a matter of surviving depression. He said because you're dealing with so much grief, you, yeah. you're helping people with their grief, but you don't have your own sense of loss. You know, and, and all the time. So you're doubling up on this. And so, uh, you know, figure out ways to take emotional dumps. <laughs> you know, really, just get it out of your system. Yeah. You, you, you can't live like that. And, and, and living that out in front of you, and you can't complain to your folks from the point. They don't hear that. I mean, their lives are kind of, you know, so you've got to find healthy ways to do it yeah. or else it does eke out in front of your folks. And then I've got this image of, you know, the pastor slumped over the pulpit saying, follow Jesus is the only way. And, you know, boy, people want to sign up for that. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah. wait a minute, God pulled a fast one on me. It is so tricky to, to handle those things in front of the congregation. Oh, yeah. But, uh, um, I'm preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and this past week I preached on don't be anxious. And I, I did. I broke down a little bit in the sermon and just said, I've been really struggling with this one. Uh -huh. And I just sort of named it. And it, not to try to get extra sympathy or whatever. But So there's like well, the need to be yes. human. But you, but some people do. They use their pulpit as their counseling session. It's, it's an, and it's, it's, it's not, people, that's not appropriate. That's not appropriate. Uh, I mean, uh, the occasional thing like that just is authentic. And I, I can remember coming out of my burnout, God told me, because I wasn't, this was not a public thing. I was struggling with it behind the scenes. and and But I, I can take you to the spot where God said, you need to tell the folks what's up. And I, and I argued with him for a good long while because I did not want to come across as not having it together. But that's probably the most powerful yeah. Because I didn't bleed on them every week, that one time of just saying, "I got to tell y'all." Yeah, you but know. I had a couple people after Sunday. It's hard because we're doing driving. I don't yeah. see everybody, right. but I, I did. I had a couple people Sunday. You know, yeah. Thanks for doing that because yeah. we're all and and right now is one of those interesting times where we're sort of all in the kind same of the boat soup together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so it was the, an easy time to acknowledge the, it because we're all there. The only person that got upset with me about that sermon was a guy who needed me to be perfect. Yeah. Well, he's got issues. That's not my. That's not my yeah. issue. That's his. Um, and I will tell you that, um, and I'm assuming this conversation, because it's tilted toward pastors, you're using it with your pastor friends. But uh, you, you've got to figure out um, as a pastor. You know how much you can actually spend on people, mm -hmm. and I mean this sounds, uh, but but there are some people who, if you spend forty hours a week on them, <laughs> so it still won't be enough. Yeah. I mean there are folks that are just black holes 
when it comes to, you know, that and you can wear yourself out. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and then you never get to some of these larger cultural shifts right. that we're having, a, you know, that's the, the always the balance is I'm, I'm pastoring the direction of my church and I'm trying to have this kingdom focus mm-hmm. and I'm doing funerals and I'm doing sermons. And so there's this a maneuvering that you, it's a delicate balance. You, you know, one thing that if I could help pastors with work wise, quit fit. You know, we went into this thing to help people. And then we wake up and realize we're in the sermon production industry. <laughs> Guess what? I mean, that's not been true for the church throughout oh, its 2,000-year mm-hmm. cycle. That's particularly a post-Reformation, you know, phenomenon that we've kept going on. Um, I, you Spend less time on sermons. Mm-hmm. I mean, we think that's what we're supposed to deliver to the world, and that's going to save the world. I'm not saying preaching is unimportant, but you know what? We can lighten our load there. I was talking with a group of, of guys in Central PA, and it was a millennial that asked the question. It's so obvious that he said, "You know, why are we all sitting around still uh, in our caves, all coming up with individual sermons to pipe out here while we're?" And he said, "Why don't we work together?" On, on some stuff and, and, you know, let's collaborate on messages. And, and you know, and I, I'm thinking, what a great idea. Why not use more interviews, you know, instead mm-hmm. of coming up with 28 minutes of content that's delivered one way? You know, think of ways that man, your yeah. sermons will be more interesting, first yeah. of all, if you did both of those things, and both of those things could help you save some time. Yeah, well, and one of the things we... We were saying off camera earlier is just how much what we currently do in church is not it's not it's not that it's not oriented to what we're talking about. It's antithetical. Yes, to it keeps you from getting to it. Yes. I mean, where in the Bible does it say you got to preach sermon every Sunday? And there's you got to be in rows. Yeah. I mean, and we, yeah. We, we have the whole thing set up like a consumer yes, mentality. Totally. And that did come out of the third information revolution where you yeah. now have the smartest person in the room need to tell somebody what you know. Got a Bible. You've got a personal Bible because people couldn't do their personal but they, they were Bible reads. They couldn't read and they didn't have a Bible. So they couldn't be good <laughs> Christians. You know, I mean, so it's up to us to, you know, uh, live that out for them. Oh, man, it just goes on and on. And it's, and it's like uh, we were talking off camera too about, I mean, we, we operate church so much like, going to the gym and watching the trainer work out, thinking that that's really developing us. You know, you're not the trainer for everybody. And how, how do we help people get participate, as I've said, in their own recovery and get their own skin in the game? And, yeah. and um, you, you just can't drag people uh, you know, where yeah, they don't so, want to go. So the pastor scorecard has to change. Totally. You know, instead of what can I produce... I've got to start scoring who's growing, who's oh. who's finding their own place what, in the kingdom. One of the things that helped me in burnout is to finally realize it was investing in, in lives that was the, that's eternal. Hmm. And that's when I started. I always had a small group after that point, point in time. And that, that nourished me just to nourish them. I mean, that's, that's the reciprocity of kingdom dynamic that's because but but if you're just giving 
to the mat mm. all the time. And it, kind of in general, but not in particular. No, it's that in particular that yeah. really gives you some some uh, juice. Yeah. And that and that's forever too. Can't take that away from folks. Those are gifts. Yeah. Uh, that and, you're making into their lives that, that matter forever. Yeah, and, it, and it, I've it's, I, I've been struck by how many people do not remember my sermons. Yeah, well, but heck, I couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember all my sermons. That's right. Um, but yeah, those more eternal, on the ground, In life the to life, kingdom right. things. That's the real value. So there's a leader shift that has to mm-hmm. take place to get there. Yeah, I I do think we were taught to be professors, uh, you know, and now people can get much better information. I mean, they can listen to much better sermons than I ever, you know, um, as, 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 as stunning as mine always were. Um, come on, let's get out of this game. I yeah. mean, let's, let's, let's get in the people development business and not the sermon development business. Yeah, well, and I, I would think that COVID is going to have an impact on that. Because as I've watched pastor friends try to go online, you're not Andy Stanley. Exactly. Like, give give it even, up. You even want to get in that game? <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, what is it? What is it? What are you really working at here? And I promise you, we can be out-preached, out, but you can't be out-loved. And if you're pouring into people and you're helping the people in your community, enjoy better lives like God mm-hmm. wants them to, including your own folks, then, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to, people are going to look for that and look after you and you're not going to lose your job. Now, if you're, if you're trying to match the competency of some of these program whiz banks, yeah, you could be in danger. Yeah. Anything else from this leader? Because you said you had a couple you heard a couple questions in my intro. Have we been hitting them or anything yeah. else you want to add to thinking about leadership? I, I will say that I think what there are many things critical to a leadership culture, but chief among them, if you want leaders around you and not exile them, and there are pastors who exile leaders out of their midst, you know, mm-hmm. but leaders... It, it they do need vision. Now, it's not your job. Most pastors say, I'm not so good with that. I haven't gotten the tablets, you know, from the top of the mountain to come down. Vision bubbles up. It doesn't mm-hmm. cascade down. You know, listen to where, you know, listen to God. Pray with, you know, with your Learn to listen. I'll just say this about prayer because this really helps. I, I, I don't, I don't say much in prayer anymore. I mean, I grew up with the idea that prayer is God's gift to me, so I could bring Him up to speed. Is that stupid or what? Like, dear Lord, here's what's going on. You know, I upchuck all this stuff, and then I'm out there. And would you please hurry up? And do something, and then I outline a couple of suggestions for him. You know, consult God on on how he could best do this. Oh, that's so stupid. Uh, prayer is God's gift to us to bring us up to speed. Hmm. And 
you know, because he's always coming back from where we're headed. I mean, you know, I mean, when Moses sees God's back, you know, I mean, it's not because God wants to move Moses. I mean, you know, I mean, we don't ever see God come. We don't see God coming. We see him going. It's, it's, you know, I mean, if you look in your own life, you look back across your life is where you see the foot. That's why footprints hangs on every cracker barrel wall in America. You know, I mean, you know, it's you see God in that look. Well, we can learn to pray in a way that the future, which the kingdom is, the future is trying to invade the present. We we can hear echoes of that kingdom and learn to listen. I just I try to listen, and one of the ways I listen to God is I replay the conversations I've had of the day during the day. My quiet time's at night, because God's day begins at night, <laughs> by the way. Evening and morning. Morning Thursday. The first day. Let's just get serious about this. Easter should never, listen, those sunrise services should never happen. <laughs> I mean, Jesus was already gone by sunrise. We should have Easter midnight services. I mean, I can stay up for that, because I'm kind of geared that way. I don't know how morning people got in charge of the church. Anyway, so... Um, but you know, uh, so I rehearse the, I rehearse the conversations of the day. I rehearse the emails of the day. I just, what is God speaking through that? Because He's speaking through all that, you know. And what have I seen? What have I encountered? And um, and, and and I'll tell you. And if you can begin to feel what God's up to, and I'll give you the biblical basis for this if you need it. So it just doesn't sound like New Age crystals or something. You know, I mean, the fig tree. This is the miracle of the fig tree is not that Jesus nuked a fig tree. <laughs> I mean, you know, there were, I grew up with this, you know, the withers of the fig. I'm going, wait a minute. You know, Jesus, there's nowhere else in the Bible Jesus is upset with nature. I mean, he calms the water. He does it. But is this is a kick the cat moment. I mean, it's a, he's had a busy, I mean, it's, it's passionate. It's a tough time, but I don't get well, what happens is, so, I mean, you, so I consulted a figologist, and and what you discover is not only should the tree not have had uh, fruit, shouldn't have had leaves either. This tree was sick already. That's what drew his attention to it. He sees this tree that's so out of round. It's the tree's dying. The miracle of the whole story is that Jesus fast-forwards the future. Because mm. look what the disciples say in Mark and Matthew. They didn't say, you know, got fig tree. No, they, they said, how did the tree wither so quickly? I'm quoting King Jimmy now, so it's as accurate. And, uh, just like you know, Paul. Just like Paul wrote it, uh, you know, and Jesus wrote it. So you know, how, did, how did that happen so quick? They knew the tree was dead too. And then, and so, and, and that made sense then because in both both accounts, there's this immediate Jesus says, and if you agree, you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, you know, or, you know, or, or whatever, whatever you're asking for. Well, if the miracles you've nuked a fig tree, then why would they, is this like, and you can do better stuff than this? No, the miracle fast forward in the future, Jesus says, you can participate in that too. Whatever those obstacles are that are in front of you, you can say, go throw yourself in the sea. That's an mm. apocalyptic image as well. See, this is the end time coming. This is the future coming into our present. 
And I just think some of us need to pray more. And most of the time when I grew up hearing pray more, it meant, oh, Lord, like Luther, i got to you know get up and pray two hours. or I'm not, I mean pray more by talking less. Just listen. Mm-hmm. What is God trying to say? Mm-hmm. You know, and try it out. I mean, there are times I've heard God say, I'm pretty sure I heard God say something he didn't say. You know, but learn it, you know, practice it. It'll nurture your soul and you'll have a vision for a future that then your leaders can rally around. It's bigger than you. They need something bigger than you. So if I were going to say, create the culture where people are called to something bigger than themselves. And you live it out too so they can see it. Yeah, you model it by living into it yourself. Yeah. It's not about me. It's about... Yeah. Yeah.